Hello, and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime. And we've been doing lots of ranting in our little break that we take. <laughs> we usually take both episodes for the state at the same time. So I record, and then we take a little break, and Kaylin does her tech magic. And, um, yeah, we've been ranting a lot. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty fun, eventful. I, I, yeah. We've jumped topics so much. I know. It's like people getting arrested. Ooh, dogs. Ooh, shopping. Like, so many different things. Well, and also I told Ken, I did something today that I've never done before with one of our murders where I mentioned that the frozen ground was a movie that had been made. And so Kaylin was a little late arriving. And so I went an hour. Yes. It's okay. I still love her. And I rented it on Amazon prime and was watching it. And the first part of the movie was, was pretty good. But then they, you know, this is the thing I hate when they do the whole based on a true story. And then they just come up with the stupidest little narratives that fit some prepackaged plot line that you've seen 45 times before instead of this story would make a fascinating film. Yeah. You know, for lots of reasons. There's a lot of angles that you could cover on this. And so it, it watch it. It's it's interesting. It's got my boyfriend, like I said. I love him, John Cusack. Oh. Uh, Nick Cage is very good in it. Plays a pretty straight role for him. But... Yeah, I just, I hate it when they do these weird, what, let's make stuff up. What movie frustrates you the most when it comes to the based on true story or based on true events? Which one makes you the most mad because it's like the most wrong? Oh, golly. That's, ooh. I have one. I know mine. Okay, you go and I'll try to think of one. Texas Chainsaw Massacre makes oh. me so angry mm -hmm. because what a lot of people don't know is... That didn't really happen. No, right. Well, the horror movies are notorious for this BS yes. of claiming, and most of them are made up. Not not only are they not based on even a shred of a true story, they're just totally made up out of whole cloth. Yeah, and so like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre specifically, it claims it's based on a true story or based on true mm -hmm. events, whatever, whichever one you want to say. And in reality, the man that that movie was based off of isn't even classified as a serial killer. Are you talking about Ed Gein? Ed Gein, yeah. Ed Gein, I was pretty, you know, it's funny because I started thinking about him as soon as you started talking because he's also credited as being the inspiration for Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Story. And the only thing he has in common with Psycho is that they both had mommy issues. Yeah, so yeah. if any of you don't know who Ed Gein is... He is a man who killed... He only killed two women. Right. But... Pretty horrifically, though. Yeah. But he was a grave robber. Mostly. And mm -hmm. when he would dig up these graves, he would take bones and um, skin, if there was still skin on the victims that he was digging up. Yeah. So he would take... And then make and very would, gruesome things out of He would make out things them. out of, like, their body parts. Yeah. So... The whole Leatherface thing. I mean, I get that. It's got, like, that part, but, like, the rest of it has nothing to exactly. do with it. And like I said, so they take that one thing that he did and then, right. And like I said, and Psycho is equally guilty of that with the whole, he definitely, because I think, he did he dig up his mother or there was something like she, that? She, in Psycho? No, 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 in, no. yeah, in Psycho he keeps her, but. Oh, yeah. 
I want to say Ed Gein. There was something that I can't remember now. It's been too long since I've looked at that case. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm I'm with you. Horror movies are just well. In to another blame. one, it's an it, this one's a new horror movie, The Strangers. Have you seen that one? I have heard about it. It look things about people breaking into your house are just too much for me. Well, so <laughs> I watched the first one when it first came out, and then the newer one came out a couple of years ago, and. I had not really thought about it when the first one came out to like try to figure out what the true story that it was based off of was. So when the trailer for the newer one had come out, that was something that really like piqued my interest. I really, because it makes me, it annoys me so much with these horror movies. It's like based on a true story when it's really not. And so I had looked it up to see what the strangers was based off of. Literally nothing. Same thing. Like, the only concept that I was able to find that was based on true events or whatever was the concept of breaking in to people's homes because they were home. Okay. Because that's that's part of the one of the main lines in the movie. They were like, why are you doing this? It's like, because you were home. And that's the only thing that they can give the whole true events thing, which drives me nuts. Yeah, so I, I was trying to think of more history-based movies or something like that, and I, I'm sorry, my brain's just not functioning right now, but I know there's a lot of them out there, too, that they just take... Well, okay, here's a, a very recent one, Bohemian Rhapsody. I haven't seen that. So they did some weird changes in there. Again, they were trying to make it fit that stupid plot line of, you know, rock band gets together and then... The ego of one becomes too much for the band and everyone else gets resentful and they almost break up at the last minute they come together and not, most of that part of the movie is totally not true. Yeah. So, um, that, you know, there's, there's a part where Freddie, Mer yeah, Freddie Mercury is going to make a solo album and they make it seem like, you know, the other members of Queen are so resentful and he's betraying the band and the truth is... One of them had already released a solo album. There was a mutual discussion and understanding that, yeah, they all kind of wanted to take a break. There weren't any hard feelings about it. They, um, the very famous, you know, we will, we will rock you. They, in the movie, they have that coming out two or three years after it actually came out. That's weird. Yeah, so I'm sitting there like, I remember when this song came out. Like, what are you guys doing? Why? It doesn't, yeah. you know, it just doesn't really makes sense but there you go that was a that was a recent one that irritated me so at the beginning of last episode yes you were talking about <laughs> your choices you going through your process of picking a case right trying to find women yes because that's normally your thing is mm -hmm. the women in the history historical yes. and we had a little argument ourselves because I talked about the one woman who was credited with having a victim and it was a domestic abuse situation, so I felt like there wasn't a lot maybe to talk about there. And, <laughs> and then, you... surprise, that's the one I chose. <laughs> so, but I didn't do very much research. So, so I, when I first came across it, I was kind of in the same boat you were, where you're like, there's not really a whole lot here. But the more you dig, I feel it got, it gets more interesting. Okay. And it is, for the most part, of most part a very cut and dry case but the trial gets a little interesting okay so 
I also, like you, got a little loopy on this episode. Things aren't exactly in as much <laughs> order as I would prefer them to be. But I tried. I went over this quite a few times trying to put things in the correct order. But because there's not a whole lot of backstory to it, because it is a fairly cut and dry case, it was kind of hard to piece everything together gotcha. on when it happened. So on the morning of October 10th, 2010, Lisa Donlin mm -hmm. called 911 and she told them that she shot and killed her husband, which I mean, cool for just going right in for it. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And she shot him once in the head and five times in the back with a 45 caliber handgun while he slept. Wow. Now, what year was this again? 2010. Okay. So this is pretty recent. Yes. Because I was thinking, all right, with especially with domestic violence cases... You know, that's a fairly new thing yeah. that it has been recognized as having, you know, like creating PTSD and victims and yeah. those sorts of things. So, all right, go ahead. Sorry. So she was claiming that it was justified. It was a justified killing due to domestic, the domestic violence that she had endured. Lisa and her husband, Jason, got married on July 4th, 1985 in Greenville, South Carolina. So this was a long marriage. Yes. And... In 2006 is the first reports that we have of issues in their marriage. Lisa filed a restraining order in 2006 against him. And that was kind of the starting point. And she had put in the paperwork that he had been very violent towards her. And that he had gotten really angry when she told him that she wanted a divorce. Okay. And she said that when she told him she wanted a divorce, he packed his things, he told the kids bye, and left. Okay. And 20 minutes later, he came back with two loaded guns <gasps> and was trying to force her to call the police because he wanted to commit suicide, but he didn't want to commit suicide. Oh, suicide wanted, by cop. He wanted to do suicide by cop. She said that she was afraid for her life, so she didn't notify the police or do a police report or anything like that, which... Granted, he's got guns, mm -hmm. and he was in the military. I did have two separate accounts of what branch he was in. One I read said that he served in the Marines, and one I read said he served in the Army National Guard. Okay. So, guns are... A th he knows about guns. Well, he's and it's also Alaska. To, yeah. I mean, Alaska's a lot like where we live. You know, people own guns. They use guns. Yeah. It's part of the lifestyle. So. Yeah. So guns were like a big thing. He was trained in them. He knew about them. And with him being military, they're fairly readily accessible. Right. And this trajectory as well of her saying, I want a divorce and him immediately flipping to, I'm going to kill myself and maybe you. That speaks to me of long-term abuse. Yes. So she ends up getting... A temporary restraining order granted for her. Good. And just a couple of days after the temporary restraining order got granted, on November 8th, 2006, it is her husband, Jason, who files for divorce. All right. And he also sought full custody for all three of their children. They had three boys at this point in 2010. All three of their boys were under the age of 15. Okay. So we don't really know anything about the children, which makes a lot of sense. They weren't really involved a whole lot with right. the case itself. 
Now, on November 13th, which is just a couple of days after he files for divorce, he calls the children's school numerous times to try to see if they're there, if they actually made it to school, which went against his restraining order. Restraining order. He was yeah. not allowed to be contacting the school in any okay. way. So he ends up getting charged with two misdemeanor counts of violating a protective order. But that later was dropped. <sighs> and about a month later, Jason goes back and he decides to stop filing for divorce, cancel all of the paperwork. He claims that they are reconciling and he asks the judge to dismiss the case. Okay. So it was a power move. Yes. That was in 2006 and she shot and killed her husband in 2010. Oh, okay. And they married... In 1985, you Yes, said. so it's a very... There's a lot going mm-hmm. on. And it significantly gets worse as time goes on, as most Domest- domestic violence right. cases do. Well, and, you know, and here's the thing, too, and we have to address this. So in domestic violence, the one thing people always say is, why didn't you leave? Oh, you are about to get real pissed off. The most dangerous time for a woman is when she attempts, or a man, I I guess I should quantify, I'm sorry, I shouldn't leave this, but statistically, women are far more likely to be the victims of this, but the most dangerous time for a woman is when she tries to leave her abuser. That's when he's going to kill her, because that's when it's the whole, he's losing control, that is the ultimate act of control, and it gets bad. So I'm, I'm buckled in. So... The days prior to her killing her husband, she this is all her own testimony from her trial, which seemed, I don't think I've ever realized how strange this is and how little this actually happens with our perpetrator actually testifying at their own trial. Yeah, that's unusual. It's not, it, not many people do it, but she testified at her own trial. Okay. And... She said that at one point in one of the days prior to her killing her husband, he had taken her and the kids out to the woods. He left the kids in the car and made her walk into the woods. Now, during this, when he got out of the car, she did try to lock it, lock him out, which we're assuming he may have had an extra key fob or did something, but he was able to get back into the car and drag her out of it. Why had she gone with him anyway? I don't know. Okay. I'm sure there's a story there. I just was wondering. So he drags her out and she falls on the ground right outside the car. And she decides, I'm not moving. Good for her. I'm going to stay right here until he threatened to kill her right there in front of her children. And then told her that he would also have to take them out because he doesn't want them to live their lives being a witness. Oh, gee, how compassionate. See, this is, it's this thinking. This is what I'm talking about. Like, where the hell does this come from? Right. Where the hell does this enter people's minds? So she said they, she ended up getting up and going into the woods with him because she doesn't, at this point, he's threatened not only her, but also her three boys. Right. So she does get up and go with him. And once they're in the woods, he chokes her until she, she says that her knees got weak and her vision got blurry. So she was, he was choking her fairly hard Mm -hmm. and trying to kill her, I would assume. And he beat her a little bit, 
out in the woods. And then he gave her an option. She had three options to choose from. One, she shoots herself in the head. Two, she takes a bunch of her post-surgery pain medication that she had been prescribed. It didn't really go into what kind of surgery or right, anything right. like that. And number three was for her to let him strangle her to death. Oh my God. She opts for the overdose. She'll take the pills. Because that buys her time, I'm assuming, right? Uh, yeah. She's, there's the idea, I gotta go home, do the, okay. So, she, he gives her the pills to take, and as she's going to take them, he snatches them out of her hand and tells her, you're not getting off that easily. Oh my God. They go home. Everything's fine at this point, I guess. And the next day after the kids leave for school, he binds her hands and attaches her bindings to a pulley system, which he then attaches to the roof in his shed. Oh my God. And here he raped her. He beat her. He, it was that she said that he sprayed rubbing alcohol on her and tried to light her on fire. But Anytime he went to light the lighter, she would blow it out, which just pissed him off even more. But, I mean, rather piss him off right. than... Right, you're not just going to stand there and let yeah. somebody send you, put you on fire. He would whip her with a belt. He slapped her. And he told her that if she screamed and somebody else heard her, he would also have to kill them because he can't leave witnesses. So there's a lot of psychological, emotional torture yes. going on here, as well as him getting off on the physical abuse. Yes. And that same night, she said that he raped her and then went to sleep like nothing happened. And... So where were the boys? Did they come home in the interim? Do we know? I, it doesn't really specify where the boys are at. It just knows, it just said that, like, he bound her when they left. And at some point, it does say that there were a couple of situations where the boys were present. And this whole argument that had started this extreme abuse the days before that she killed him was because he found text messages in her phone between her and one of her co-workers that oh. she had been flirting with him and it it caused a, rid a fit of rage and that's when he decided to like take her into the woods so this was all in the days before she killed him and in it needs to be noted that in 2006, the same year that she had gotten the temporary restraining order and when they had like kind of filed for divorce. Right. So in 2006, the same time that all of this happened, she tried to leave him. Okay. She took her and her boys and went to a women's shelter. So I don't really know much about women's shelters or like mm -hmm. how they work or anything like that, but she did say that this specific one was for victims of domestic violence. It was supposed to be very private. She should have been safe here. Exactly. Well, and that's, I think, how they all are. I mean, you yeah. know what I mean? That's their purpose is to shelter yeah. <laughs> women and children. And I don't know if there's any out there for men who suffer from... Abuse and feel like they need to flee, but that's right. That's what they're supposed to do is keep you safe. Well, that didn't happen because he found her and took them home. Oh, God. It does get kind of sticky because I usually am very much the kind of person who will kind of shove it down your throat. If you see something, say something. Right. Oh, me too. On anything. 
If you see something wrong happening, whether it's bullying in school, whether it's someone in a domestic abuse situation, if it's someone hurting other people, like if you see something, say something. Right. If you see something out of the normal, you see a child that doesn't look like, that looks like something's wrong or this child is being abused, say, say something. something. Because you not saying anything is just almost as bad to, in my eyes as the abuser or bully in that situation because you know what's happening and you just kind of step back and you're like, whatever. I agree. Well, you know, we, we talk about really horrific moments in history, you know, and there's the, uh, you know, everybody likes to go to the Nazis, right? You know, something like 10% of the German population were members of the Nazi party. The majority of what happened was people, like you said, standing by. Yeah, and it's very frustrating, and that is normally my thoughts, but I do understand that in a lot of domestic violence situations, that saying something, whether you are the person person being abused or you are someone... If you witness if it. If you witness it, I understand that saying something and contacting, contacting the police makes it worse. Yeah. I understand that. It usually does. Yeah. Not always. And and I and it's very difficult too because, you know, there are some cases like for instance, if you call CPS about child abuse, I know that you can file an anonymous report, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to necessarily, you know, maybe later down the road you might I don't know if you get drawn in, but I don't know that that can be done with domestic abuse. I don't know, you know, I know you can sometimes call the police and ask them to do welfare checks on people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just that might set off an abuser. Speaking so. of this whole see something, say something thing, if any of you want to make anonymous reports about anything happening and you don't want to contact your police, look up your local crime stoppers. Yes, that's a great Because option. that is the best, I think that's going to be one of the best ways that you can actually remain anonymous mm-hmm. And still get across what you need to get across. If you don't want to go straight to police, at least look up your local crime stoppers. That's a great suggestion. So I do understand that it can sometimes, and a lot of the time, make the abuse worse. Mm -hmm. But Jason's best friend and his best friend's wife both knew about the abuse. It's kind of messed up because... His best friend and his best friend's wife both testify during her trial. Okay. For her? Yes. Okay. So Richard, his best friend, had gotten a voicemail a couple of days before, a day or two before his murder, got a phone call, and he was left a voicemail because he didn't answer it. And Jason's told him, call me because I really need, I really need you, and something's wrong, something bad happened, something along those lines. And Richard instantly thought that he either hurt or killed his wife. God, can you imagine what a sick and horrific feeling that has So to be? he did call him back and was not able to reach Jason. And then later found out that Jason was actually the one who had gotten murdered. And they had been friends since 1989. They were both stationed in North Carolina together. And even after they had moved their separate ways and gotten stationed in other parts of the country, they still remained in contact and every so often would visit each other. And 
Richard said that Jason was the kind of person to actively seek out conflict, that he, it should have been behavior that kind of like tapered off as Jason got older and matured more, but it didn't. He always, he always was the kind of person that thrived off conflict Mm -hmm. and sought it out just for the fun of it. See, and here's where my thoughts go. How are you friends with somebody like that? Right? And both Richard and his wife both said that if you took out the the domestic abuse side of what was happening, he was a great person. He volunteered places. Yeah, okay. He, if you took out the child abuse side, if you took out the murder side, if you took out... Do you know what I'm saying? This yeah. Is, there, there are things like, okay, like, you know, you made the joke tonight, hey, I'm always late, right? Yeah. You know, that's something to be overlooked. Yeah. Beating your significant other, not so not much. so much. Yeah. So he in two thousand seven, Jason had gone to Colorado and visited Richard and her his wife, and during this they talked a lot about he. Jason liked to talk about the abuse. He bragged about it almost. And okay, even sicker. Like, how do you yeah. sit there and say, oh, okay, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. I mean, so he had told Richard, this was when Richard found out that, like, things were actually getting violent, was this trip, and he was talking about how they had been getting into a lot of fights a lot, and he, quote, smacked her around a little bit. And so when this happened, Richard did offer him to come stay with them for a little bit. He would help him find a job just to try to get some space and figure himself out and kind of take himself out of the bad situation. So trying to do the best he could think of, hey, get out of there, basically. Well, Jason wanted no part of it. Of course not, because he likes this. Exactly. He thrives off of it. So, and it wasn't just Richard that would say anything about it. His wife, Jennifer was fairly good friends with Lisa and they talked a lot on the phone. She very much knew stuff about the abuse. And so they had come up with like a code word. So if Lisa and Jennifer were ever on the phone and Lisa didn't feel comfortable talking about these certain things that they, I don't remember. I didn't write down what the code word was, but they did come up with one so that if she, she just had to say it and they would kind of talk about normal things that he wouldn't get mad about or things like that. And Jennifer also offered to Lisa to fly Lisa and the boys to Colorado to stay with them to get out of the situation. So, so they're like one or the other, right? They're trying to, they're trying to be a shelter, a safe place. And God bless them for that. Yeah. I mean, it didn't really work. Obviously. Well, first of all, she, he, if he found her when she went to a shelter, he's going to find her when they go to a close well, friend of both of them. And hers. honestly, given some news stories that I've read, how brave of them to even say this, because as we know, abusers will come in and kill everybody. How yeah. dare you try to help this person against me? So yeah. this is a very volatile, frightening situation now i understand this is where i get angry with this case okay and it really really pisses me off aside from this this is probably one of the best cases i've ever done when it comes to like happy things i guess okay 
Granted, she killed her husband and she was abused for it, but she was able to... It's understandable, I yeah, guess. It's justified. Or, right, right. Justified like, homicide. Okay. Good, good for you for standing up for yourself and finally getting out of the situation right. that you couldn't get out of previously. So, like, good for you. And this really pisses me off. I understand that prosecutors and DA, I understand they have a job to do. Just like I understand that defense attorneys who defend sleazeballs, they have a job right. to do. It's the legal system. It's the rules of the game. You you kind of have to do what you have to do. But. But this DA makes me so <laughs> mad. And I want to say this too, because there is this thing called prosecutorial discretion. Okay. And that is where they can decide whether or not, right, that they're going to prosecute a case. Okay. And like you, this is where I get kind of angry as well because a prosecutor has a ton of power because of that one thing. Deciding what am I going to pursue, what aren't I going to pursue. Yeah. The other thing that we don't talk enough about in this country is that Many prosecutors are elected officials. I don't know if all of them are. I'm sorry, I should research that. But if they're not elected, then they're appointed. And there's a lot of political game playing here about conviction rates and things like that that don't take the complexity of individual cases into account. And that is a huge flaw in the legal system that we don't talk about enough. Well, hold on to your chair because it's going to piss you off too. So I didn't even write his name down. Okay. Partially because I wouldn't have been able to pronounce it and partially because I think he's a sleazeball and a piece of sh trash <laughs> that doesn't deserve his name being anywhere. Now, he said, quote, she chose a 45 instead of the police or a divorce lawyer. There were... Other ways she could have gone about it. She didn't need to kill him because he was asleep at the time. So it's not true self, a true self-defense killing. It. <laughs> what? Okay. Right. She tried the police. She got a restraining order. She tried divorce, and he didn't work with. <laughs> right. Well, and and again, and I and I think the police. It, it sounds like pretty much everyone involved with this did the best they could given what they had. And that's the other thing about cases like this that are that's so incredibly frustrating and difficult. So ugh, yeah, so I, I share your frustration. I do it understand just, it. It just gets worse. The things that this DA get the things says, that this DA says get so much because worse. now he's trying to build a case. Yes. And that's where it like I said, it I understand. It's a problem. I do understand he's he's got a job to do. I get it. But honestly, I don't think they should have prosecuted her. Right. And they weren't originally going to prosecute her. And then they found, they the DA found some other evidence or some shit like that. And he decided that he wanted to prosecute, which was never specified what this evidence was. But that's when they decided to indict. The questions in the responses that the DA asked Lisa... Was It was absolutely disgusting. Mm -hmm. Well, and this is one of those things where you feel like the victim's on trial, in a yes. way. Especially because she did testify. Mm -hmm. And so... And how brave of her and her defense attorneys. 
Also, I'm going to give her props right now instead of later for how calm her answers were to this man because I would have lost my shit. Mm -hmm. And that's probably part of what helped convince the jury and... You know, made, hopefully the case comes out in her favor. I'm making an assumption here. Uh-oh. So. Oh, no. He asked her if every time one of these things happened to you, should should you have been or were you reevaluating your marriage? And she responded with, no, not every time. But when you love someone, you believe the things they tell you. Exactly. And you believe when they tell you. And let's talk about the cycle of abuse. First of all, you already love this person. Yes. You know, as flawed and insane and crazy as that may be, it's there. Yes. Secondly, there's that cycle of abuse where we know abusers abuse and then it's, oh baby, I'm so sorry. I will never do this again. Yada, yada. And you want to believe that. Yes. So much. And especially when you have children. So she also told the DA that Jason had told her that she had no chance of winning any sort of case against him, whether it be a domestic abuse a case or the divorce in the custody battle. He told her that she had no chance of winning because she had no job, she had no lawyer, and she had no place to live. And statistically, he, ain't, he wasn't wrong. Yeah. And the DA responded to that with, you chose domestic violence and rape and name-calling over divorce and some financial struggling. Like, are you joking? What? Yeah. <sighs> so he then went on to ask about the things, about things like whether or not she enjoyed the turbulence in their relationship. If both of them seemed to thrive off conflict, which we already discussed that Jason very much just thrived on conflict. And he then talked about a possible explanation for the torture that she had described in the days before her murder. No. And this is going to just be horrible. Yeah. So he is in referring to her being chained to the ceiling and the whipping, and it then came out later that Jason would poke her with needles while she was bound, and he would slap her around a lot. And the DA said, would you agree that, quote, I add, quote, would you agree that what you described to the jury sounds like a bondage-type situation? Oh, my God. What? And props... Props to this lady. Lisa, good job, girl. (laughs) She, this is the part where I probably would have lost my shit. She responded with three words. No, that's sick. And that's all she said about it. Props to you, girl. I'd have lost it. Right. Because, you know, for people out there who are part of the BDSM community, the big key word there is consensual. Yes. And, like, girl, you do what you need to do. You do what you want to do behind closed doors. I'm not one to judge. You do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting anybody that doesn't want to be hurt. Cool. Do what you want. But, like, this was not consensual. No. And it's, ugh, this DA makes, I just want to punch him. That is so bad. That's despicable beyond despicable. Well. No, no. Luckily. Oh, gosh. Okay. 
after three days of deliberation, jury comes back on April 3rd, 2013. This trial went on. Well, I don't know how long the actual trial went on, but she was arrested the day that she shot her husband, which was October 10th, 2010. And her verdict was announced on April 3rd, 2013. Wow. So she was still in jail for three years, but on April 3rd, 2013, jury found Lisa Donlin not guilty. Thank of God. Of second degree murder, manslaughter, so and criminally negligent homicide. Yay, jury. Yeah. Yay, jury. So, aside from the douchebag DA, this was a fairly good outcome. A fairly good outcome, which yeah. we don't normally get good outcomes. No, we don't. And my story, like after the horrors of my Alaska case. I'm glad you did choose this one. And, and, and you, I know. And you found a lot to talk about, too, that was great. Yeah. Like I said, I just, I just felt like I can't discuss that because I'm just like, <laughs> this is so horrible. But I just, I just, I don't even want to debate those cases. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, and I know we need to, and, but I, yeah, I'm not the person to do it. I have so. a hard time finding cases, though. I feel there are three, one of three things has to happen for me to choose a case. I either, my jaw needs to either be on the floor for most of the time that I'm researching it. I need to have, you've seen my disgusted look. I need to have my disgusted look on my face for most of the time I'm researching it or a combination of the two. Or it has to be something that isn't known about. Right. Something That is yeah. something kind of far-fetched mm-hmm. that is surprising to me and to other and our listeners right. especially. Yeah, and I I that's the thing too. I've tried to ch- to pick cases that I thought many of our listeners probably hadn't already heard a yeah, whole lot about. Yeah, and that about, was that was kind of my except idea for this one, but Yeah, that was kind of my idea when we had started the podcast was to kind of try to choose more small town cases or cases that haven't been widely put out in the media. Yeah. And so, which is why we haven't covered anything by like Ted Bundy or Dahmer well, or those things have Manson. Been done. And there's yeah. not much more to be said. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who can very much, you know, deep dive, do a lot of data mining, all that kind of stuff. And there's probably things to talk about. But you and I yeah. are not the people to do that. But. I think that aside from your case today, which I had heard a little bit of this case, but not enough to know anything. I didn't know about the the literary background or the movies or anything like that. And I think aside from yours, the most popular case we've done was my New Mexico case on the toy box killer. Yes, probably. And I think aside from that, we tend to go towards more of the lesser known cases, which is what I wanted to do. Initially, because nobody wants to listen to a podcast that they've heard the same story about on two or three other podcasts that they listen to. Unless there's a super new angle or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that one, I, I, like you said, I'm, it's a horrible situation. But good for her. But good for her. I feel like this was, justice was done. Yeah. So. I think it, it does kind of suck that it took so long for anything for it to happen. And as difficult as it is, if you are the victim of domestic abuse or if you know somebody who is, do reach out to yeah. somebody that you can trust. Um, 
There are a number, beauty salons have started making sure that they post domestic abuse hotline numbers. There have been a lot of great initiatives. And that's just it. If you feel like you can't go to the police, if you feel like you don't have anyone to turn to that you know personally, call a, call a domestic abuse hotline. They have resources that you don't know about, that we don't know about. There's help out there. Don't, yeah. don't suffer in silence. As much as we've talked about how dangerous the situation can be, we say that to let victims know we understand how difficult it is. We understand it's a hard thing to do, but there is help out there. It and might take a while to find it. It's, it's a tough, tough path. It can feel like a tightrope walk. Um, but, uh, yeah, reach out. I also don't want it to come across if you are a victim of abuse. Do not let my excitement of her killing her <laughs> husband right. give you any ideas. It's a bad idea. Don't do it. But That's definitely not, the last resort. Yeah, I'm not so. like I'm not telling you like, no. oh, I can't go anywhere, so I'm just gonna kill him. Don't do that. Yeah. That's a bad idea. And I'm not. <laughs> we're, we're not endorsing that no, 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 either. No. But um, but, but you I know, do, this is a case where you do feel like. Many options were tried, and mm -hmm. it, it's a horrific outcome. And it did go on for so long. Her children have no father. I mean, she has to live with what she did. That's not an easy thing to live with. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, find help. Yeah. And we need to get more help out there for people, yeah, too. Yeah, we do. So, you know. Luckily, here in town, we are building a women's shelter. Finally, yes. yes. But, you know, call, call right those people who make laws and tell them to get on the ball. So. I did see online the other day, it was probably one of the coolest domestic abuse flyers that I've ever seen. And I don't remember where it was located, like what kind of business it was located in, but I believe they put it in a women's restroom. And instead, you know the flyers where they have all of the phone numbers that are like cut so people can rip the phone numbers right, off right. and keep them? Instead of having phone numbers, it was a color. Oh. They were all just a color. So if he like checks her pockets or something, she just has this like random scrap of paper that she can then give to whoever is working wherever this, whatever oh, this business was. I love that. So it's kind of like a nonchalant, like, oh, hey, I found yeah. this. Wink, wink, like call the cops. Good. Please. Oh, I love that. That's, I it was the coolest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and there are a lot of great, I think, resources and ideas out there. I know Dr. Phil's wife has the app, you know, where you can call without, I, I think it makes it look like you're ordering a pizza or something like, you know, yeah. but it, 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 it also uses subterfuge to help victims. So, yeah, good. Things like that are very cool. I will do some research on some of those options and post some Awesome. Phone numbers and links and stuff to places that you can go. Thank you. That'd be wonderful. So we thank you very much for listening. Go out there. Put some more good in the world. Next week, Vermont. Dun, dun, dun. Which I'm excited because I already have a case picked out for this one, which is exciting. God, I hope there's one that like involves maple syrup or something. That's my <laughs> wish. <So. laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>